0: Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus.
1: Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Bum, 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 bum. Hey
2: everyone.
1: Yeah, Josh is with us. We're going to probably insert Josh in the bumper yeah, at some point because he's kind of regular now. He's, yeah, he's kind of uh, regular. Uh, but yeah, if, you're, if this is your first time, we're just uh, about to talk about the Bible. We read through the Bible in a year here. And uh, we every week we talk about the week's reading just together. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: and this week uh, we read through Genesis 47. We closed out Genesis We started into Exodus, and we got all the way through Exodus 10. So um, we did Psalm 13, uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and uh, Proverbs chapter 4 all the way through chapter 5, and then Matthew 15 through chapter 20. So those are the things we're going to be talking about today yep. and uh, excited. And like I said, if you've not uh, read those chapters, it's okay. Uh, this is kind of like the Notes version. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, so spoiler alert.
2: <laughs> we're going to tell you how
0: Genesis ends when we come back.
1: All right, here we go. We are about to talk about what we got devotionally out of these segments. And um, Josh, you want to you wanna start us off? Absolutely. Awesome.
2: I am in Exodus chapter 2. Um, we were just talking a second ago and said that, you know, we're kind of all Old Testament snobs because I just love the Old Testament. Um, and so mine's right here at the beginning of Exodus. And um, for readers who are reading the Bible for the first time, Exodus can be one of those books that you just are ready to like give up on. Because it it does uh, get wordy and a lot of confusing things happen. But I wanted to point out that it's always interesting to see um, characters, these superheroes of the Bible, mess up. Um, not because we're like, haha, look at them, but to understand that that they are just like us. You know, they um, um, sin, that they have to be sanctified, and, and we see that here in um, Exodus with Moses. And so, verse um, chapter two, verse eleven through thirteen. Actually, we'll just read 11 through 12. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Um, And so... If you go on to read it more, we see that he begins to feel ashamed of what he did. But I wanted to point out that as, as we're beginning Exodus and as we're reading throughout the rest of the Old Testament, that, that Moses is in there, we can we can see his sanctification process. From here at the beginning um, and the end where we find him, we see Moses mess up. We see him be sanctified we see him um, be more like the character of God. And that, that's something always encouraging um, for me to see is that, you know, that he messed up and that he had to be sanctified just like we do. And so when we're reading that, when we're reading scripture, remember that when you see something that doesn't line up with what God says, don't follow it. Right. It's like, well, Moses killed someone. So surely it's like, no. Um, in Genesis, he said, don't shed the blood of a man because they're image bearers of God. And so, you know, read that and understand that Moses is sinful, just like us.
0: Were you struggling with murder before you got to that
1: question?
0: <laughs> no, no. Moses no, is no, just no. like
1: That's, us. That's comforting. Tempta- is that a temptation? <laughs> yeah. Let us know. We need to know. I'm
2: letting you all know now that I have no temptation to murder anybody yet.
1: I wouldn't say <laughs> yeah. that I'm free from temptation to murder. I would just really? say that I'm free from this... sin. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. As long as all the cards are on the table. All right, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, thanks, Josh. see
2: Daniel can also be sanctified in
1: this as well. <laughs> Moses speaks sparks special interest in my heart. That's right. That's good. Oh, my. Cool, man. That's awesome. Goss- that's awesome. It is, it yeah, so awesome. anyway, yeah.
2: the whole point a- as you're reading through Exodus, notice um, the sanctification of the characters, even through the mm-hmm. Bible. I mean, you can look at Jacob and, and see his sanctification too. So that's something fun to and we are all being me. sanctified. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that well, sometimes we we look at people in the moment they're in and mm-hmm. think that's who they're always going to be mm-hmm. now, we're, and we are all it's always a process and you may catch somebody at a particular point in their sanctification process where they where God just hasn't finished that little mm-hmm. portion of them. Yeah. And so he tells us not to judge each other. So Right. Um, but don't judge each other. And then if you see somebody who's judging other people maybe they just aren't sanctified
2: yet.
1: So, right. yeah. so. maybe you should judge them for not judging people.
2: Or don't, <laughs> don't judge, judge them, them at all.
1: Something like that. (laughs) Right. Okay. Thanks, Josh. Wonderful. You're welcome. All right. Well, mine actually comes from my first one comes from the same chapter, just a little bit later, towards the end of it, chapter two in Exodus. Um, and I'll just read it. It's 23 through 25. Um, it says after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor and they cried out and their cry for help ascended to God because of the difficult labor. So God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the Israelites and he took notice. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like... It's kind of like the prologue, like, and then God took notice, Mm -hmm. and things are about to pop off here. Uh, But what I wrote down is that God's – you know, we have these euphemisms, and both of my observations from this week's reading are kind of centered in euphemisms that we say. And and the first one is that God's eyes are always on his people, right? Mm -hmm. We say that, and we believe that. It's it's important to Mm -hmm. believe that, that God's eyes are always on his people. but. Um, If we zoom in, we find that our prayers actually spark, like, special attention from him. And that's important, too, to realize that... um you can't believe in effective prayers and God's equilateral viewing of his people at the same mm. time, right? Um, so it's kind of like, and I, I think of it like my response to injustice between my sons, right? I watch them, um, and sometimes I'll allow a situation to play out where one is taking advantage of the other, and you would think my four-year-old would generally have the upper hand on my one-year-old. That's not always the case. My one-year-old's a bully mm. sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but sometimes I'll just let it play out and see how see how they do, and um, for, for reasons that are parental, but... Um, if it, if, if tears start to flow, you know, um, or they're coming to me for help in some situation Mm. of injustice between the two of them, then that's when I take special action. It's not that my eyes weren't on them and that I wasn't caring about them Mm. before they cried out to me, but when Mm. they cry out to me as their father, then I'm going to step in, right? Then I take special attention. I think it's the same with our heavenly father is that, um, it's not that, God isn't paying attention to us when bad things happen, right? It's not that he's just ignoring us and so these bad things have come our way. But when his people cry out to him, and he addresses that. That's actually the, the loving care of an attentive father. Mm-hmm. Not the the fact that something bad happened doesn't mean that God isn't attentive. In fact, just the opposite. Um, bad things happen often to draw us closer to Him and teach us to cry out to Him. And I think God is honored when we when we cry to Him in our distress. So um so anyway, I just I love that that sentence, God saw the Israelites and he took notice. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to serve a God who takes notice of me when I'm in distress. Mm. Uh, so yeah. good stuff. Wow. Um I'm i I'm
0: you old Testament snobs, I'm gonna look in the Ed? New Testament. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, there are no um there are no red words in the old testament. So um <laughs> oh. <I'm> like, <laughs> in Matthew sixteen, it says Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, You know, I think it's Jesus has always reminded us that it is so important how we live our lives. And there's, um, I'm just having conversations today about um, about how we sometimes we over overcompensate or overreact to people saying that we are saved by grace mm. and 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 through faith, which we are. We are we are saved uh, by um, by grace through faith, and and we are we are not saved through our own works but through the work of christ Mm -hmm. but it is also important to remind people that people who are saved do good works because they have been saved Mm -hmm. the evidence that we have been saved have been changed is that we bear new fruit we cannot make disciples if we are not a disciple Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, and and so often we are so far outside of that realm uh, when you ask people, how many people have you led to the Lord? How many people, how many times have you shared the gospel? How many people are you currently discipling? And, and that's, and if you can't say one, you are standing in direct opposition to mm-hmm. the person you've said that you've committed to follow. Mm-hmm. Every follower of Jesus Christ at some point is creating followers of Jesus Christ, or at least making disciples. Mm-hmm. And, uh and, and it's not, uh, and it, the ev- and you say, well, it's hard to do. What the evidence that you are saved is that the Holy Spirit is doing that work through you. Yeah. Uh, it's not, I, it, It's impossible for us to do it apart from Christ. Uh, but the evidence that Christ is in you, and so, and, and people get so offended at that. They're like, oh my goodness, you are you trying to say I'm not a Christian? Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sharing the truth. And but if you look at your life and you don't see that. You should be concerned. Mm-hmm. It should draw you back yeah. to God and say, God, why am I not doing this? And and He's got an answer. I guarantee it. I know I've come to Him and asked that question, and uh, and He has um, He has given me that um, <laughs> give me the answer many times because you're disobedient, Bob. <laughs> uh, I, I have you know, uh, I, so much of the indoctrination I've received over the years comes from people. Who seek to salve their consciences and hold to a philosophy that assures yeah. them of glory in heaven apart from their works, but the evidence of a changed life is good works. And uh, and God loves us too much to leave us in a meaningless life filled with filth and despair. So you know, and as I get older, I'm willing to extend grace more, but I also see the great importance of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's something as as I get closer to seeing him, uh, and every day we always get a little closer to being there face-to-face with him, um, I'm a little more con- more concerned about, am I being faithful to do the things that he put me here to do? and uh, And I think we all need to do that. But just be aware that you may have been told by somebody, oh, you're good, everything's fine, but they may not be telling you that based on what the Bible says. Mm. They may be telling you what they have come to comfort themselves with. Uh, Because they themselves are not being faithful. That's what people have done. I mean, uh, look through all through the Bible. That has always been what Israelites have done. It's what uh, the people before uh, Moses did, people after Moses did, people during the time of Jesus. uh, And and people do that today. People are telling you uh, what they think because that's what they've come up with to live with themselves. We want to know the truth. And the truth is what sets us free.
1: I love what you said. And uh, how like us to try to absolve ourselves from guilt in stuff, you know, like, or just, or seek out people who tell us that we're all right. Uh, And, and that's, that's that's just more sin heaping right. up on ourselves. So sure, we're but, causing
0: other people to stumble as well. Yeah, like yeah, yeah,
1: and we believe that we're we're free from sin. Even like like us as you know, we're the like the ministry folks in this room. Yeah. Um, we uh, we're not exempt from failing in to to do what God has called us to do. Right, um, we're in fact very prone to it because He's called us to do high things. So. I'm so thankful for the
0: people God put in my life who told me the truth. Yeah, who mm-hmm. said. You know, I remember mm-hmm. I was in Campus Crusade, and I, I had a guy before I, when I was first attending, I got tired of going. I was in college, I had a better things to do. And, <laughs> I, and there was this one guy who would call, and he said, uh, Hey, Troy, uh, we are meeting next week. Are you going to be able to be there? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, I'll be there. I had no intention of going, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just something you say to pa- uh, And so about three times he did that. And then he came to my dorm room and knocked on the door, and he said, Hey, I need to talk to you about something. And, and I was like, Sure, whatever. You know, so we're talking. He says, uh, You're a liar. And I was Ooh. like, what? I was <laughs> like, what? who do you think you are? You know, it's like, how dare you come in? You know, and, and he left, and I was like calling people and saying how awful this guy was mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to think of things about him that, you know, to tell people. And, and then it was like, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, you are a liar. Mm-hmm. And now you're spreading <laughs> gossip and maligning this person for telling you the truth. And it was like, I had to go back and repent. And, but it was a, it was an it was a life altering moment. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what guts he had. I yeah. thought how bold that was to come in and just point it out, you know, Hey, you say you're a follower of Jesus and you love God and so forth, but you are purposefully telling me things that are not true. Mm-hmm. That by definition is lying. Yeah. And uh, I was, I'm, I'm very grateful. It left an impact on me. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I, you know, that's, I, I think, I, I want to be that type of person who's at least strong enough to tell people the truth. And which is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm pretty confident Jesus was a person who told people
2: the truth. Yeah. I just think even in that passage, just what I was sharing with the youth this past week, and telling them that following Him or um, believing in Him wasn't enough, and then that following took so much more than just, yeah. oh, I'm gonna walk next to him it's like no you're following him through you know the song lord of hosts and the psalm is, is you're with us in the fire with us as a shelter with us in the storm it's like you're going through everything with him um in that people don't realize that following takes sacrifice and it's not just a right justifying i think
0: we need to ask people not are you a christian because the term christian is so right diluted but to say are you a follower of jesus christ because that's really what's important jesus was looking for followers he wasn't looking for he wasn't looking for leaders he was looking for people Mm -hmm. who would follow him in submission and uh and that really is the the litmus test if we are confident in our own salvation it's because we're followers of jesus christ
2: yeah cool yeah. Um, so my next, um, just thing that stuck out to me is in Psalm 16. Um, the whole Psalm is really good. Um, and I just was kind of rejoicing over my past um, few months, especially being here at this church. And this, um, the Psalm was what we were reading and it, it really did remind me of the season of life that I'm in, uh, reminded me of where God has put me and, um, Just how faithful he's been to me, and how even in my unfaithfulness he's there. And so, um, Psalm 16, verse 1 says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Um, Verse 2, I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, I have no good apart from me. And then verses 5 through 11 um, are just so good. And, And very relevant to me right now in this season, so I'll go ahead and read those, but it says, "The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. you hold my lot. the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel and the night also my heart instructs me. that and um, if you guys, I mean, you guys know my, well, you guys know my story, but the mm. listeners may not. But my life has just been nothing but no security and and just changing directions. And this past um, six seven months has been just loving God and growing in such a great atmosphere. And He's He's kept me and He loves me. And my first semester out of college was horrible, and He has been growing me and um, loving me. And so after. Almost two years being out of college now to see where he has me is, is so wonderful. And I just wish people knew that a relationship with God is not this horrible thing and, and legalistic and just this lawful and boring thing. But it's exactly what Eleven says. You make known to me the, the path of life and your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I just wish I could... Um, let people know how true that is, you know, and and let them see that in my life and hear that in my life. And I hope that that is evident in the way I live. But um, people are just so convinced that Christianity is miserable. And it's like, no, if you really know God, if you follow, Mm. you follow Jesus, and not just believe in him, it is a life full of treasure. Um, And that doesn't mean that hard times aren't going to come. But it does mean that you do have comfort in those times and security and love and joy and pleasures forevermore. So I just think that was a big praise as I was reading scripture. That's awesome. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. All right. Okay, um, so bef- between segments, we we kind of decide, wh- okay, I'm going to go here, I, I was kind of drawn to this section, and Josh and I were just kind of on the same page for, for both of them, because <laughs> we both had Exodus 2, and we both had Psalms, and he chose 16, but I chose 15, mm-hmm. so I'm going to cover that, it's just five verses. Um, I love Psalm 15. Really? Yeah. A, that's cool. I, I didn't know. choose that one, but it is It's, 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 special. Yeah, it's you, special. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I'll read it in just a bit, but, um, this is the description of the godly man, right? Mm. And, um, the question is asked here in the first, um, couple lines, like who, who can dwell where God is or, or better, maybe who, who can share space with God. And, um, if you, if you read the Bible a lot, when it asks that kind of question, you're, you're, you get kind of trained to say, well, no one, right? Nobody right. can do that. Um, but it gives an answer, which is amazing. Like it kind of swaps you, tricks you, um, because it, um, It says – and I'll read it from here. It's just a few verses. The one who lives honestly, practices righteousness and acknowledges the truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, who doesn't harm his friend or discredit his neighbor, who despises the one rejected by the Lord but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his word whatever the cost, who does not lend his money at interest or take a bribe against the innocent. The one who does these things will never be moved. Mm -hmm. Okay, So it's like it's not nobody. It's somebody. It's this kind of character mm-hmm. of person. And I think too often in American theology, um, we say, and this is the second euphemism for me today, but we say that the believer always has access to the throne, right? And that's a truth. Again, that's another truth that we really should hold dearly and like mm-hmm. closely to the vest, because like that is. That in a way, that's massively true and important for the Christian. But I think too often we divorce how God um, has acted throughout history towards his people and played it with these shiny euphemisms that are just we, we consider to always be true in every circumstance. But when the text is actually saying something different, and that is um, just Psalm 15, it's not everyone. It's not every believer because there are believers who are not this high this character or person, right. Um, those people just don't have close access mm-hmm. to the Lord. It's not that they have no access, but they don't dwell where he dwells. Mm-hmm. They don't live in the same space that he lives. Um, and the one who lives honestly, you know, we talk about liars, you know, it's not that, liars don't go to heaven, you know, well, you talk, you know, there's a little children's song about revelation 21, yeah, eight, of course, yeah. but liars go to hell. Yeah. Go to hell. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but I know like, I mean, like Troy, you were talking about, you know, yeah. they called you on being a liar right. in, in college. Um, you were non, a believer. Non-repentant liars Not, go to hell. Yeah. yeah non-repentant yeah. liars go to hell. And, there, <laughs> and there's this level of integrity that, that you can, Really, truly live closely with the Lord. Mm-hmm. If you're this kind of person, um, the Lord actually draws you close. And again, it's not that you don't have access if you're not all these things, mm. but man, don't let don't let that fact be an excuse for me to not to not eagerly desire to be a better man of of, of God right. um, and to live as close to Him as possible. Like you were saying, the good works define a Christian mm. uh, a Christian's life. And and these character traits really just give us that open door in and out with God uh, yeah. that that I, I crave tightly because there are there are seasons of my life when um, I don't despise things rejected mm-hmm. by the Lord right. I try to right. actually get closer to them We were mm-hmm. talking about that in our college group on right. Saturday night um, or Sunday night um, I I um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the slander with my tongue you know like right. I, I I will spread things that aren't necessarily true um, in seasons. And so, um, and looking back, man, those are the times that I'm farthest from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of, it's, it's this vicious cycle because on one hand, if you're far from the Lord, you're going to get in those things. But the longer you're in those things, the further you push God's presence mm-hmm. away right, from you. And that's kind of a scary place to be for the believer. Um, so
2: I think kind of going along with what you're saying is a lot of people be like, that's not attainable when in mm-hmm. fact it is. Yeah. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And a lot of times people um, just can look at themselves and be like, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. I'm so bad. Even as they're in Christ and it's like, well, yes, but you're also a new creation and you Mm. need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And remember the Holy spirit lives inside of you and you can be honest and you can be someone who doesn't defile the, you know, or you can hate sin. You can, you can speak good things. It's like, we have to remember that we are a new creation and we have to live in that rather than living in, I'm a sinner. It's like, Yes, that's true, but you're also a new creation, so yeah, live like that. Right, it.
1: and I've and and to testament to that, like I've had places I, I mentioned where I have been, I I, I have been far away from mm-hmm. the throne as a believer, but I've also had moments where I was this guy. Yeah, you know, I've right. been this guy, where um, I I just had you know I've had moments of just really closeness with the Lord and high integrity and all these things, um. So. So I know it's achievable because I've been there.
0: Yeah. But it's also it's also designed it's kinda of like the Sermon on the Mount, it's designed to to make you feel in inadequate. It's designed mm-hmm. to make you feel as though this is who I should be, but I'm not which is, which drives us to Christ right. it is the whole yeah. point is that mm-hmm. we are people who are in need of redemption. Right. I mean, many times God is just simply saying, here's what I made you to be. Mm-hmm. And you are, and so you look at it and go, well, I'm not that. And he goes, exactly, mm-hmm. but I can make you this. Yeah. It, you know, when you read it, it really should be this, uh, when you have the desire, and you say, this is who I want to be, mm-hmm. then God's answer is, that's who you are going right. to be. Yeah. Right. And and we don't wow. fully achieve that status until we dwell with him. But this, you know, who may dwell with him, that's the same. This is what you will be like mm. when you come to dwell with me. And, and so if you read it and you go, I don't be that. Well, then you are not you're going to rebel against Christ. Mm-hmm. You, you are not one of his children, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I. He, I i think we we make this mistake so often that think there's these people out there who want to be this but they're not but they just can't get there mm-hmm. that is not the gospel at all yeah. the gospel is is that everybody who wants to be this person jesus is going to make them this person right. and uh, and the people who don't want to be this person He's not going to force them to be with him for all eternity people will choose hell over heaven right. uh, because they do not want to submit to Christ mm-hmm. as their king and their Lord we already can see that evidence all around us but uh, but just because but and, and I mean you can grieve for them obviously you should feel sorry for them but um, they it's not that they don't want to they they want to not follow Christ but have everything that Christ has yeah mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and that's it's just not possible
1: yeah. But, yeah. I, that's – I was – yeah, that's so such a good thing because the world wants the fruits of Christianity. Right. Like everything right. that Christianity offers, they want. Christianity offers justice for the right. downtrodden. The world wants that. They just don't want the means by which we they can it. They don't want to it. submit. They don't and, want to submit. And yeah. once they
0: have it, they pervert it and destroy exactly. it. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right yeah the the holy land really mm-hmm. is a great picture of that because once they captured i mean when god sent his people in there they made the, the land fruitful and productive and so forth it's still a lot like that today uh but when it's conquered by people who do not have the the instruction the guidance of the holy spirit
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: they just they exploit it and destroy it and, and it just becomes a wasteland mm-hmm. uh and uh and that's you know in the and the Israelites did that themselves. I mean, they were not giving the land at Sabbath rest and all these different things and so forth. The land began not to produce and they were suffering as a result of not being obedient to God's plan. Um, But yeah, that's, uh, it's, if you give it to, that's why we don't cast our pearls before swine, as Jesus would say, because that's, uh, they don't, they wouldn't know what to do with it if they had it. And, and that's, it is it is sad. That's why Jesus was a man of sorrows. It's is so horrible mm-hmm. that our world is like mm-hmm. that, but but that's again why we have good news.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, let me let me wrap this up uh, this segment by sharing something from Proverbs chapter four, verses twenty five through twenty-seven. Some wisdom. Mm-hmm. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. You know, and when I think of the world, and we live in a culture where everyone defines themselves as left or right,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I think it is so, as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to remember we have a path that was prepared for us, and we are not to go to the left or go to the right. We are stay centered in Christ. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't allow ourselves to be defined by the political aspects of our culture today, and feel like we have to join a team and and be on one side or the other. We have a team. We have a a king uh, who gives us instruction. Tony Evans used to say he's a preacher out of Dallas, Fort Worth area. Uh, he say that Jesus does not ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. Mm-hmm. That when Jesus comes, he does not come to take sides. He comes to take over. Mm-hmm. And my experience is when I follow his work closely, there are el- there are things on both sides. Yeah. There there of everybody i mean there's aspects of it and when you try to say i'm this and that this is not who jesus defines you as you're going to wind up alienating parts of the word in order to fit in with that group of people Mm -hmm. and uh and we're not given that license we're not we're not you don't have to choose a a side or choose a a source there is nothing in the bible that says you have to be democrat there's nothing the bible says you have to be a republican Uh, in fact we are to be identified with Christ right. and, and Christ alone. Um, so, uh, you know, if I if I want to be where Jesus wants me, I need to be on the path that He has prepared. I used to pray that with my kids every night that they would be that they would walk on the path prepared for them by Christ. And um, and you know, uh, there is much in both parties that do not align right. with yeah. Jesus, yeah. and uh, because they are filled with people who do not worship Christ, who do not follow him mm-hmm. or are not faithful to him, do not know his word, do not, do not love his word. Uh, and so we need to be wary of people who claim friendship with God, but are really wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. People want to claim us on their side, because they want something from us, they right. want what God has to give. They and and so they say that they identify with us, but they don't identify with us. They do not know our Lord. They do not know our Christ. And so yeah. I, I think you know, I, I say this. I, I'm thinking that we all know it, but we need to we need to be listening to the word more than we need to be listening to the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, the news makes us aware of what's going on, I think. Right. But but uh, Oswald Chambers used to say this, he said, God makes us aware of what's happening in the world. He makes us aware of what's happening in other people's lives, not for the sake of sharing that with other people, mm-hmm. but showing us how we need to pray. Mm-hmm. Then we pray to our God, it's the word of God that we share with other people, not the word of the world. And uh, and I think we do too much sharing the word of the world and not the word of God. Yeah. Good no, stuff, man. man. Good. Yeah. All right, we're going to answer some questions when we come back. I'm excited. I always like doing questions. I know. So, anyway, we'll be back in a second.
1: Okay, we are back, and this is the hard-hitting question segment of the podcast. Uh, so the winner gets all the answers of Scripture revealed to them. I suppose.
2: When Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes
1: back, yep. Anyway, (laughs) so, uh, (laughs) so Pastor Troy. Uh, we had some questions texted in. We've got some brought to us even um, this afternoon. So are you nice. ready, sir? I'm always ready. Awesome. Well, as ready as I'll ever be, I guess I should say. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, the, the first question, Exodus chapter 4, um, was uh, there's a little kind of footnote um, at the end of chapter 4 where it says, the Lord sought to kill Moses um, in a moment there. And why would he do that if Moses is like his, his guy? Yeah and and to to give it a specific text it says on the trip at an overnight campsite it happened that the lord confronted him meaning moses and sought to put him to death
0: dun, 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 dun. i'm looking it up i'm looking it up yes this is um um uh, you know when i we went over this passage in seminary and uh, and it was always prefaced by this is not an easy passage um, and and so when you get to passages that aren't easy, just preface it by saying you're not going to end by going oh that's what I mean. So because we don't if we, the we, seminary we, teachers <laughs> that's right they're going I don't really know. Uh, I I love I had a, I remember having a, a professor like that he was we were studying Acts it was it was a class specifically on Acts he wrote the commentary on Acts and uh, an amazing commentary on Acts and and it was one of the foremost authorities of um, of uh, of acts in the new testament and um and i remember having had a question and asking him this is i said this has really perplexed me for years and years and years and i'm finally so glad i get to ask you this question and i asked him and he was like i don't know and i was like <laughs> where do i go from here I don't, know, I don't know where to go from there and there's sometimes that is that is the way uh things like that are uh there are uh there's all kinds of uh, in the in the language one of the things is that in the language here it's not necessarily clear that God is seeking to kill Moses. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and that hit, it could be the son who is the one who is under God's wrath here that God is uh, pursuing uh, because he is not circumcised. And the, or it could be that he's pursuing Moses. It can, could mean that he is pursuing Moses because Moses is the head of his household and so forth and mm. has not circumcised his firstborn son. Um, the, 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 the i just so everybody's on the same page the covenant that god had with abraham is that all all men in god's nation of israel the hebrew nation were to be circumcised um a neat little fact is they were to be circumcised on the eighth day and just a little medical thing is that your body the, the, the the, our bodies don't clot when we are first born, but I think it takes six to seven days to develop vitamin K in our blood, or whatever, so we mm. clot. So if you ever do circumcise a child who's before eight days, they have to give you a vitamin K injection, or whatever, oh. so that your blood will clot. God knew this, so it was like, so it was <laughs> like He, He'd already programmed that into the end of the process. So they would wait till the eighth day. But uh, but this was his uh, his symbol of his covenant with Abraham, and it was a, it was one of those not compromising kind of things. It's like if you are that you had to be circumcised in order to participate in the Passover, you had to be circumcised mm-hmm. in order to be part of the nation of Israel. And the things that were uh, part the things that were assured to the nation of Israel as a promise were only assured to those people who had been circumcised. And so here Moses is getting ready to lead the people and uh, and has a child who has not been circumcised. And so um, uh, his wife was just uh, disgusted by the whole process, probably being a Midianite and mm. and not mm-hmm. being familiar with it and so forth. and Moses being an Egyptian, you know and not and this is just a, a moment where they've been uh, he's been outside of Judaism for some time. But before he goes back to be a leader of these people, uh, he has to, God comes to him and and says, uh, you know, and and why is it the language? I'm sure there's a lot of symbolism uh, that's present here that God's just trying to make a point of the absolute importance of that, either you follow me or you die.
1: Isn't that interesting how God takes care of like loose ends? that you're not even thinking about before he right. calls you into something. Yes. Cause I'm looking at it at the, at the page and literally like two sentences later is when he comes and confronts Pharaoh in mm. front of everybody. So like God's timing is so good. Mm. <laughs> like I'm sure Moses wasn't, I don't know what Moses's heart was, but it, maybe he wasn't even thinking about it. You know, it's yeah. not really his culture. He grew up in Egypt. So, hmm. yeah.
0: And, and and looking forward, um, uh, that's a great point you're making as far as uh, as God preparing us with all the details. Uh, it makes me think of of, of something I'm not going to share now that I think about it because it involves my wife and I don't have permission to share, it, so I won't. But the um, Good call. thought captive, <laughs> yeah, Thought captive, exactly. Uh, but uh, but he is. But later on, you have uh, that God is going to come into Egypt. He's going to kill every firstborn. And uh, it could be mm. here you see that he's saying your firstborn is going to be it's still, under wrath, still here. Is, yeah, yeah. under wrath if, if you don't take care of this.
1: Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And you kind of answered the their, their tag along question yeah. that I was going to address after this had to do with the treatment of the son. So you answered that. Um, that's awesome. OK, N- uh, next step. Josh, you have a couple you have a question that you're um, you've got in your in front of you.
2: Yeah, so you sort of answered it a little bit. I just mm-hmm. love for you to expound on it. But kind of what you're talking about with these plagues, right? Mm-hmm. That he's plaguing Egypt or he's a what were we just read, he's about to plague Egypt. Right. So why why did God do all these plagues? Was it to punish Egypt? Was like what 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 was the point of all of this madness? What the hardest one like? of the
0: hardest things about that? to expound upon it a little bit more mm-hmm. is the the phrasing that God says I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart mm-hmm. and it's like so it's almost implies like Pharaoh's about to give in and then God steps in and says no I'm not going to let you give in to make this even worse um, and it's like if, if Pharaoh's heart was softened, because that's what it implies. The Pharaoh had a soft heart, and he's getting like, well, well, why don't I just let him go? And then God steps in and goes, no, more people have to die. Uh, and it's like that's that's not the way this is uh, unfolding. Uh, and we all through um, the the first five books of the Bible, especially we have we call them anthropomorphisms. We we try to describe what God is doing in terms that we understand as, as people. So we give him human characteristics and so forth to kind of, uh, to make it understandable. But, uh, we also have to look at those things in light of the greater revelation we have of God all the way through the rest of the old Testament. And also Jesus himself coming and showing uh, us a clarity, um, of, of, um, a clarity of, of what God is doing, um, with his people. And, uh, and the, when Moses is going to Pharaoh and is going to, uh, have them take them out to worship and so forth, God has already said that, uh, he is going to not allow it. He, he knows God knows us in advance. This is, this is what we already know about God. God already knows how this is going to unfold and where it is all going to go and so forth. From my perspective. From a human perspective, it would appear as though God were hardening his heart or God because God is sovereign and, and obviously he could force Pharaoh to do it, but he's He's really giving Pharaoh over to his own sin, giving Pharaoh over to his own nature and so forth. So uh, these plagues are to demonstrate God's power and each of these is to demonstrate that God is greater than the gods that the people of Egypt are following And so they have like the they worship the Nile and they and they worship especially the Nile and so forth and the gods of the sun and the gods of so they worship the sun god he brings darkness to show you know you don't have any of these powers or whatever but the um, um but he's he's trying not just to say, I'm more powerful than Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm more powerful than any God that you worship, right. any practice that you have. Remember the diviners came out and they at first were like, We could do this and we can do this, but he's like, then and then God would come back and go, Well, here's something you can't do. Right. And they would even admit that. This is bigger than us. We can't mm-hmm. do this. And then they begin begging Pharaoh, let these people go. You know, these their gods are too great, they're too strong. But think about it, if he lets them go, he's defeated. He's allowed these slaves of of Israel to rise up and defeat him as the Pharaoh. I mean, how much pride in, is mm. lost there? And even after they left, even after his firstborn son is killed and all these, because you have to, the, the part that always boggles my mind is like why has he let moses live it's <laughs> yeah. like he's right there in front of you just right. take him out it right. seems like but see he recognizes that it's not moses he knows it's his, it's moses god and uh, and killing moses doesn't do it again in fact killing moses may just be Make the whole yeah. and the, so there's a fear that's coming in yeah and so you see pharaoh begin to fear god but god doesn't allow him to um to do the right thing if you want to think of this and god's hardening of his heart that god doesn't allow him to take the easy route out it's like you are rebellious against me
2: yeah
0: and and i'm going to you're gonna you're gonna see this rebellion to the yeah. end yeah. And, and and my wrath is gonna be full yeah. it's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna appease my wrath because you're starting to feel like you're it's hurting mm-hmm. uh and that, if you think about it like that it's like a strong-willed child who uh i hate using the term child because it's not it's really wouldn't be a child but but anyway (laughs) i don't get too caught up in the analogy but it's like a strong-willed child who you spank and they're like i don't care i'm you know i'm still good it's like well if somebody's done something wrong and they deserve this wrath and they come and they're and they're like you know oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry uh then um you are tempted to say well i'm gonna ease up but, if you are being just mm-hmm. then you have to give them the full punishment that you're doing so he, god that's why it's saying God hardened his heart so that he would get the full punishment mm-hmm. that uh the wrath that they'd theycurr they had he had he was responsible for afflicting the people of God right. he was responsible for keeping them in slavery, and God is going to pour out his wrath mm-hmm. and uh, and does in a big way and and then Ultimately, uh, the final, I guess, the consummation of that wrath uh, is when he destroys the entire army in the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, you mentioned uh, the part. And this is just supplemental. I could, pro- we could probably end the podcast. This isn't very important. But um, you mentioned, like, at some point, the magicians couldn't duplicate God's stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading the actually this section obviously the other day, and um, that that plague that they couldn't replicate was the gnats. And I'm thinking, why the gnats? Why why could, why wasn't it like the river turning to blood? That seemed pretty difficult. Right. Why, how come they could do that one but not the gnats? And you read a little deeper and you're like, every it says every speck of dust in the kingdom turned into a gnat. Right. Which means, you know where dust comes from? People's yeah. peop- skin. Skin. Yeah, yeah. skin. So all over their bodies, just yeah. in a moment, gnats. Everywhere. I would be completely at a loss. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the worst plague now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one yeah. Of them um and then
0: they're and they're like okay okay let him go let him go make <laughs> it <him> stop <laughs> right. make it stop yeah and 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 god would have to harden his heart yeah you know it would be like that because you would be like all right let's just i'm not i'm not competing with that or let him go and then we will because because he's gonna let him go but he's gonna come after him but god has to get to the part Where he does the Passover,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he has to get to that tenth plague, Mm -hmm. because that's 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 going to be the culmination of also setting the standard and showing us the example of the sacrifice of his son, and so we have to get there, and and so he Pharaoh's heart is hardened and so forth, all so we can get to the point where where God can say. This is how I'm going to save my people for all eternity, mm-hmm. and because Jesus is then in the future going to look back at this event and say, "Now this is the blood of my new covenant with you." So we have that example. And if you don't have plagues one through nine, you don't get to plague ten. Wow. And uh, and so Woo. it's all it's Good all work. just moving to where God is revealing His whole master plan.
2: Yeah. Wow, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny that you bring that up because, you know, like I just mentioned in the beginning, you know, this is kind of the point in Scripture and the yearly reading
1: mm-hmm.
2: where we kind of get bogged down because there's so many details coming up here in the next few <laughs> chapters and so yeah. many words. And so yes. why why in chapter 12 when we get to the Passover, why is it so detailed? Uh, well, the
0: Passover is uh, not just the Passover, but the laws themselves Uh, when we get to the, how the tabernacle is to be established and, and how, and the priesthood and so forth, God has created unique people and, and he's, and he's showing them, um, how, I guess how difficult holiness is. Mm -hmm. And, and as we said before, when we're talking about something else, these are all a, uh, of showing that he is a God of order, that he he is a God of, 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 of of structure, but that we are, um, it's like we have, we are completely, I mean, when you think about today, uh, I mean, i looked, looking at all the devices that we use and so forth. Uh, the, uh, we have computers and, and we have airplanes and all these different things. And, and people have to study and study and study and study how all these particular things work. And if they don't know how they work, well, then devastating things happen. Mm-hmm. Well, God also has a a plan of uh, that's very this detailed. He's basically saying, "I'm trying to show you the details of how all these mm-hmm. things work, and each every single thing has a a purpose and a plan." Right. You know, uh, I was listening to Dr. Miller the other day, and and uh, and just hearing that there is not one wasted word in the entire Bible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you think about that, not one wasted word. And when we get ready to go through Leviticus, uh, Numbers, <laughs> and Leviticus and uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold on to that. Verse First Chronicles, and all those things. And you're reading it, and it's like, okay, what's the purpose in this? Mm-hmm. It takes it, it takes a lot of effort to go through and find each detail. Right. But when you work through the details of the Passover that he gives, right. you there is something there. Right. It's like there is there's a reason that he gives in each of the process. I, that's why it's so amazing to study. Uh, Jewish heritage, because Mm -hmm. they have mined that out over the years, and and they know uh, the fine particulars of those things. But we have a greater revelation that he's revealing uh, this is ultimately going to represent the sacrifice of my son Christ and his redemptive plan uh, for all of us. But uh, what I was going to say earlier, that kind of like the Sermon on the Mount, it all goes to show how Far removed he mm-hmm.
2: is from us. Yeah. How holy you know, how, he is.
0: how technically difficult. Yeah. You know, if you if you what I was going to say about the planes and the computers and so forth, if you stand in awe of those people and think, how do they do that? How do they come up with that? How do they create those things. Well imagine the one who created the universe. Right. And they are just manipulating things that God Himself has created. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're taking pieces that He made out of the all of the, I mean, He created the atoms and the and the molecules and so forth. And, and he put all this together. We're just learning how how to manipulate the things that he made ex nihilo out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, he's a very complex God. And so that's, uh, he's so far removed from us so far away from us, we have no chance, no hope of ever getting to where he is uh, without him. Uh, extending that to us, so he has to give us the faith, he has to give us the salvation, or we don't have it. I just, I just thought of something I read in a tweet this morning mm-hmm. that was so good, but that R.C. Sproul said, but it was, it was basically, I'm mean, going to really butcher this trying to say it, but, it, but it was something to the effect of that uh, I have, uh, that I have the salvation that uh, that God gave to me, you know, that mm-hmm. I didn't go get it, yeah. uh, he put it in me, and uh, and that created my desire. Uh, to follow him and so forth. So there is no way I get credit for this. Uh, but yeah, the the details of the, uh, the Passover and all and all the other details that he's going to give all just start there to to stress to us that that he has um, a much more intricate plan for everything that's happening that we can even mm-hmm. fathom or understand.
2: Yeah, one last thought on that, just really fast. It's just, you know, we were talking about just a second ago, it's you follow God or you die. And so I think another... <laughs> Important part is like you follow what he says because if you don't, what happens at the Passover? Well, yeah. your firstborn is gonna die. You know, it's yeah. like you follow yeah. him. He sets the he sets the standard, and you right. follow it. And he's holy, and so you should be holy, just as he calls right. us to be. Yes, and when he
0: says that I want you to dress this way, I want you to behave this way, and so forth, it is all a matter of you submitting to his will. Right. But but it's like children, we look at it and go, well, this doesn't have any meaning, this doesn't have any purpose, you're making me do this for frivolous, frivolous reasons. But uh, that is not I that is not true. There's right. a there's a reason and a purpose behind every single thing that he gives. We may not understand it, and some things we just do in faith uh, because he says it. And some people are good like that. Other people are like, why? Why does he say this? Why does he do this? And the cool part is, is for a lot of those things, he gives us an answer, mm-hmm. uh, much more so than we deserve. Uh, but that's why I love studying the word, is yeah. because and this is what uh, you know i think uh you know as we close this out today that i think the thing that you know we read this every year and when i first started this i thought the i'm gonna read through the bible and i really had the intention i'll do that one time in my entire life mm-hmm. i'll read through it and then i'm good yeah. but what happens is when you read through it you're like what 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 just happened? Yeah, I don't. I there was so
1: much I missed, it's like and watching then, a Christopher Nolan and the, movie. Exactly, well, a little
0: bit more elaborate, than that. But, the, uh, but uh, I get the point. The uh, uh things you have to do multiple times. Yeah. and and then you meet people who are years and years years older than you, and they say, oh, I read it through all the time, sometimes twice a year, and I'm still scratching the surface. Yeah. and you're mm. like, wow, that's how far does this go? And one of the things that I really wonder is even in eternity you know i mean how how much more we can get i mean it's like how far how far does this rabbit hole go right. you know I mean, yeah, exactly and you, and you think God, that yeah. but it's like you know after i've done it for 10,000 years yeah. 20,000 years 30,000 years a million years you're like is is still,
2: still he's infinite. still fathomless like, <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's so it's cool. like
0: trying to examine every inch of the ocean you know you just uh, it's just so every far molecule, beyond every, yeah yeah i mean i mean you think about our earth and that we have not discovered all the parts of just the earth mm-hmm. and then you think there are millions billions more planets besides our yeah, own if yeah. not trillions and 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 so yeah it's and that's and
1: every part of it reflects god right. and so his word uh, has that same uh, quality ted decker has said and puts it where um if god is if god is an infinite ocean And you could travel many times the speed of light for 100,000 years and never reach the middle point. Right. Um, and it 's like well i can 't fathom that, yeah, but it 's
0: awesome. my grandkids love the googleplex uh you know the a Google to a Google Power or whatever, oh, they yeah. try to explain uh-huh. that the universe is not big enough to hold all the zeros you'd have to put yeah. after it if you started writing it out and it like just starts to blow their mind yeah. and they' you know they 're not eight years old and younger, and I love it they 'll say that 's like a Googleplex, you know and they'll say, <laughs> I, I love this googleplex times you know yeah. they, uh, it's like mm. they're such geeky kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, wow, what a great day. Uh, Thank you guys for talking. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll we'll be back. We'll be back next week. All right, we'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.